So I've been thinking quite a bit in the last couple of weeks about the nature of self. And pondering certainly some of the things I learned in my psychological training about how the sense of self emerges, you know, in the early years of your life. The theory is that you arrive pretty merged with your mom, which is makes sense, of course. And then through various separations, some of them difficult, some of them not so hard, sort of depends on what kind of a situation you get, there's gradually some sense of differentiation that happens. And probably all of us have played with a child at one point or another when you say, who's that? And they get this big grin and then they say, Johnny or Annie or whoever. So it's, it's a little bit of a surprise still that they are somebody. And of course we spend quite a bit of time developing the somebody that each one of us is. Each one of you could tell me a lot about who you are, I'm sure. And we do, usually, in our normal kinds of discourse. We're talking about ourselves and our likes and our dislikes and our fears and, and all of that. But it always continues to be somewhat connected to the sense of other, self and other. It's kind of like two sides of a coin, you know. And, of course, one of the reasons I've been thinking about it is that when I made this rather radical change to my hair color, I also discovered that I was getting very different responses from the people that I saw. And I said to somebody yesterday, the shuttle driver at the airport, I said, it's as though I've suddenly become everybody's friend. There's some way in which something has shifted. And so as they come toward me in a different way, I find that I'm being different. Isn't that interesting? It isn't quite the same old Mirior that um, has been walking the planet. There's some different flavor to it, which is kind of fun. I'm rather liking it. So that's an interesting piece to see. You know, to consider where is it that in our self and other interactions that sense of self begins to move. So then also this last weekend, as I do several times a year usually, I went off to Texas where I have grandchildren. I attended one karate class, one karate graduation, and five, count them, five Little League baseball games. I attended a tournament. And on top of it all, I ate stuffed jalapenos, which were pretty interesting, and fried pickles. Fried pickles. Heidi probably knows about fried pickles, but no. <laughs> I thought it was the real Texas thing. <laughs> Not your part of Texas. So, I, and I was thinking as I was there about what I'm beginning to think about as fluidity of self. The teaching often says, there is no self. And sometimes people, people, as they practice, often in the retreat world, people get a little anxious, like, what does that mean? Am I suddenly going to go poof? And I'm not going to be able to find me. There is no self. And I think in our 
mm, everyday life, it might be really helpful to think about, well, how is it that we can be fluid with our sense of self? Can you reinvent yourself, as it were, or flow into a different way of being as it's required in your situation so that you and the people around you suffer less? I could go to Texas, and I have, and I could be locked into my East Coast, West Coast, liberal, somewhat intellectual, kind of quiet being who likes a certain kind of music and and doesn't eat fried pickles and all of those kinds of things and doesn't think so highly of the culture that I'm dropped into. And that creates a lot of suffering, doesn't it? We've all done that. We've all done that. Or you can go and you can kind of go, oh, this is interesting, huh? You know, what happens if I soften into it and I get really, I got really into the baseball game because my team was winning, of course. That's why we played five games. And, you know, rooting and learning the kids' names and all of that stuff, talking to all the other moms and dads and, and, you know, making friends in a community that doesn't, isn't my normal way of being. So one of the teachings about the sense of self that has always been very helpful to me, came from my monk friends. And they say, selfing causes problems. The places where we self, where it becomes about I, me, and mine. And when we do that, then we create suffering. And so it's that place, you can think of the place of habit, where you always do things the same way, the place where you say, this is how I do it, and you get a little mm about it, the place where you say, I am a person who has to have, and then you can fill in the blank, whatever it is that you have to have. And then sometimes, you know, there's some difficulty around this. Now, I'm not talking about Definitely there are some places you may be really committed to non-harming, to speaking the truth, those kinds of things. But we can do those kinds of things out of very many different manifestations of selves, the things that have to do with being ethical, that have to do with being awake, that have to do with not causing suffering. And that place where where we get very, very solidified about who it is that we are. That's the very interesting place. That. So one of the other things, just to round this out a little bit, and then maybe we'll take some conversation and some questions, um, is to consider one little piece of reading I was doing in the airplane on the way home. Comes from my astronomy study. Every molecule, every atom in your body came from, well, the heavier ones, iron and that kind of thing, or the gold, maybe in your rings if you have one, um, came from a supernova explosion. Some star, someplace, or maybe several of them since, you know, they don't all come from the same place. And then the other atoms and molecules come from things like planetary nebula and other kinds of star explosions. But they all, that's how they got made. That's where they come from. And somehow, they've wandered their way through the cosmos. And at the present moment, 
they're manifesting as all 20 of us sitting here in this room. They're manifesting as this room and the floor and the bell. So what's self? We know it's temporary, right? After a while, even in the teachings on the aggregates, you know, that all of this stuff that comes together to make a self, it will disband. I got an email this morning from Laura Pascal. Some of you may know her. She's in the Committed Students Group. And her husband died this weekend. And she said it was a hugely moving thing to watch the body begin to just shut down and to go away. And we know that that happens. We've all been with creatures who've died and people who've died. And we see that kind of disbanding. So the, the whatever it is that manifests comes, it shifts, it changes. And the more we can allow that, the more fluidity we can bring to that, the more flexibility and openness to maybe I don't have to be that way all the time, then the less suffering that we create for ourselves and those around us. So I think I'll stop there and see you can continue, we can continue the conversation a little bit with questions or comments or wonderings. Because this is a really interesting teaching. It's the heart of the Buddha's teaching. Fits right in with impermanence, with how we create suffering. And a lot of it is the nature of self. And they're all really three aspects to, to this whole question of suffering and the ending of suffering. Please, Rachel. Oh, I've done it. But it makes sense what you said about we create the suffering because I can remember, um, you know, even in some things I do, that I may bicker about something or have a a high judgmental opinion or a high opinion. (laughs) And it creates suffering Mm -hmm. rather than just being in a situation that you're put in Mm -hmm. and not having to bicker, not having to complain, but just allowing it to unfold for you. Absolutely. I've noticed it to be... Um, incredible growth mm-hmm. when I just be and I just shut up, shut my mouth, <laughs> you know, and keeping my and just going with it. And you just, you, it's, it's like you're just dancing. You're and making a really nice yeah. pointing towards a teaching that sometimes people talk about as views and opinions. And when you have views and opinions, you're in trouble. And even your new look. I mean, even what you shared with us when you went to the airport and. Mm-hmm. It, it was like you and that man's spirit were just dancing. And it's true. And, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because I could get attached to this. I'm already seeing that I do a little. You know, I like this. So at what point do I become, I'm a person who always has purple hair. You know, then maybe I can create some more suffering. So it doesn't, it's never solid. It, you know, it's like you don't get to a place and you get to go, okay, now I'm there. Now I'm settled. <laughs> you got to keep changing the color. Or maybe I go back to white for a while, you know, just let it be what it is. And then I try being just an invisible old lady, you know? Why not? Yeah. Please, Barbara. Mm-hmm. And knowing something about that, it's very 
Already does. Right. All mixed up so together. Really, it's, it's a wonderful um, joining and sharing, and it's really a very fun, fun, light-hearted, interesting thing to think about. There's a very interesting book that I could recommend. Some of you may have read it um, by Joel Premack and his wife, Nancy Abram, who he teaches up at the university. It's called View from the Center of the Universe. And it's really looking at cosmology and, and spirituality, taking all of these things into account. I'm in the middle of it, so I can't say much more than that. Please. It's, it's such an interesting place because, I mean, people will also say in the world of raising children, well, we, we want them to have selves, right? They need to know who they are, they need to know where they begin and where they end and where they have boundaries, how to sort out all of the life questions and the ethical questions that come up to them. And of course we have to teach them. And at some point we also have to let go. It's really interesting, you know. And, and to know that they may go a way that's very different from what we've chosen for them. Um, I found myself sharing an opinion with my son this weekend over something you were experiencing. Uh-huh. He resists that at this age from me, but I couldn't help but yeah. give him right. a point of view a little bit on what we were walked into. And <laughs> we'll go into the details. And, and you can, pl- you know, maybe you plant a seed. That's what I'm thinking. It's yeah. just a little, but it is an opinion. Yeah. It's a little Wait until he's 45 and he starts telling you about how, how all those things you taught him when, you were, when he was young. And I'm amazed sometimes at what my daughters took in. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, we have to kind of play our roles a little differently sometimes. Yeah. Depending on yeah. That yeah, exactly. I think she just said something very wise. That Right, and if you get attached to it, if that's how you are, yeah. then you could create a lot of suffering. You know, there may be another time when your your role, your yeah. what's required, is to be really open and relaxed and yeah. accepting. Well, right away, I regretted it just because he clamped down a little. Yeah. Um, but later, I went, you know, in a larger scheme, I think it yeah. was a strand that could go through. Yeah. But it's a role I was just playing. So yeah, thank you. It yeah. Helpful. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, well, ponder it, and um, let me just make a couple of announcements here.